Hello everyone and welcome to Music for a While. I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion. Got a real smorgasbord for you, even more than usual. An almost wacky variety. I was writing about the Metropolitan Opera's at-home gala, which was what it sounds like. A gala in which singers and others performed from home in this time of so-called social isolation. In Moscow, Ildar Abrazakov sang a song by Rachmaninoff, one of that composer's most famous and best-loved. Spring waters, we call it in English, or sometimes spring torrents. In any case, it is Opus 14, number 11. The poem is by Fyodor Tutchev, and I will read a translation of it by Philip Ross Bullock. The fields are still white with snow, but already there is the sound of spring in the waters. They run along and wake the sleepy banks. They run and glitter and proclaim. They proclaim in every direction. Spring is coming. Spring is coming. We are the heralds of youthful spring who sends us on ahead. Spring is coming. Spring is coming. And the quiet, warm days of May like some rosy, radiant round dance, hurry along in its wake. Well, we're a little late, June, not May, but close enough, what the heck. I don't have Ildar Abrazakov, did I say that right? Abrazakov singing for you. But how about Galina Vishnevskaya, the late formidable soprano? Accompanying her will be her husband, Mstislav Rostropovich. You mean the cellist and conductor? Yep. A really, really good pianist, as he proved in his master classes when he accompanied cello students and elsewhere. So, here is Galina and Hubby and Rachmaninoff. Thank you. 
we have heard Spring Waters by Rachmaninoff, sung by Galina Vishnevskaya, accompanied by Mstislav Rostropovich. If you have not read Vishnevskaya's memoirs, called Galina, I highly recommend that you do. The book is one of the best musical autobiographies ever written. It is also an illuminating book about the Soviet Union. Again, I'm Jay Nordlinger of The New Criterion, presenting Music for a While. You can subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, Google Play, and so on. If you'd like to write to me, the address is nordlinger at newcriterion.com. Allow me to read to you from a little post I had at the New Criterion on June 2nd. Over the weekend, Igor Levitt pulled off an amazing feat, or stunt, you might say. Levitt, recall, is the Russian-German pianist born in 1987. He played Vexations, a little half-page piece by Satie. What's the big deal, you may ask? Well, the composer directed that the piece be played 840 times in a row. It took Levitt about 15 and a half hours. Eric Satie was a Frenchman, living from 1866 to 1925. He was a very odd duck, and a talented duck. His most famous piece is the Gymnopédie No. 1. And what's the Gymnopédie? It has something to do with naked Greeks dancing. In any event, the Gymnopédie No. 1 is a beautiful, original little piece, and it will last forever, presumably. Vexations is a beautiful and original little piece, too. I'm talking about just the half a page played once. Why should it be played 14 times, to say nothing of 40, 400, or the prescribed 840? Now we enter the realm of the psychological. According to reports, Igor Levitt tied his marathon performance to the pandemic and the challenges of living in such a period. In this post, I go on to say of vexations, whatever else we may think of the piece and its numbing, pulverizing, crazifying repetition, I think we can agree it's well-named. Almost 20 years ago now, Jean-Yves Thibaudet, the French pianist, recorded a version of vexations that lasts about three and a half minutes. I think that's enough to indicate the effect the piece can have. Here it is.
Well, he's still with me, vexed. That was Jean-Yves Thibaudet in a version of Vexations by Satie. Sir Brent Turfell, the loved and lovable bass baritone from Wales, loves to sing an American song, a hymn in a way, perhaps a gospel song with a folk element. Anyway, it's a song. Bryn sang it at the aforementioned at-home gala that the Met put on. We're talking about if I can help somebody. It was written in the mid-18... Nope, got that wrong. It was written in the mid-1940s by Alma Basil Andrazo. I'm guessing at the pronunciation of the second two of those names. She is Alma... I'm saying Basil... B-A-Z-E-L, Androzo, or Androzzo, A-N-D-R-O-Z-Z-O. That was the name of her first husband. The composer was born in Tennessee in 1912. She grew up in Philadelphia. She died in 2001. If I Can Help Somebody, her most famous composition, was recorded by Mahalia Jackson, Billy Eckstein, and quite a few others. Such a moving thing, straightforward, sincere, and plain good. Let's hear Bryn, Sir Bryn Turfel, in a recording made in 2002. can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living shall not be. Then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. If I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living shall not If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring back beauty to a world abroad, if I can spread love's message that the master taught, then my living shall not be in vain. 
Great song by Alma, Basil, and Razo, sung by Bryn Turfel with the London Symphony Orchestra, led by Barry Wordsworth. Well, earlier we heard Satie, and I mentioned his most famous composition, the Gymnopédie No. 1. He wrote three of them. Debussy, the great Claude Debussy, orchestrated two of them. We will hear the most famous of them all, played by a group a long way away, at least a long way away from where I am, the West Australian Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Albert Rosen.
Satie's famous Gymnopédie, played by the West Australian Symphony Orchestra under Albert Rosen. Some while back, I wrote the following. Who was the last great composer? By that I mean, not the last great composer who will ever live, but the most recent composer to have been great. Was it Shostakovich, who died in 1975? Britain, 1976? It is possible that Shishtof Penderecki will be given a very high ranking, near great, if not great. He has always been rated highly. Penderecki died on March 29th at the age of 86. Over the years, I have conducted Q&As with many musicians, many performers, and, not wanting to leave today's music out of the discussion, I usually ask, who are some contemporary composers you admire or consider worth performing? Almost always, my interviewee names Penderecki. In 2009, as he was concluding his tenure with the New York Philharmonic, I interviewed Lauren Mazel, the conductor. I asked him the question I mentioned above. Quick as a flash, he said, Penderecki. He waited a while before continuing his list. Penderecki was a Pole, as his name tells you, and he was born in 1933. That means he grew up in the war. This ever marked him, obviously. Penderecki wrote a variety of music, including symphonies, operas, and concertos. In his younger years, he was attracted to a severe modernism, but gradually he loosened and broadened. I was saved from the avant-garde snare of formalism by a return to tradition, he once remarked. In the 2013-14 season, I reviewed a recital by Anne-Sophie Mutter, the violinist, in Carnegie Hall. On that occasion, she premiered a piece by Penderecki called La Folia. Allow me to excerpt my review. This is a throwback of a piece, as the title suggests. Folia means madness in Italian, and this word described a kind of dance. According to the evening's program notes, Penderecki originally called the piece a chacon, but changed his mind. It took chutzpah, he concluded, to use the same title as one of the most popular and greatest works for violin, the Chacon in D minor by Bach. I'm not sure Penderecki needed to worry, though I understand completely. La Folia is a formidable piece, presenting modern Paganini in a way. I think that violinists will want to play it for years and generations, because it is a rigorous intellectual piece and a showpiece at the same time. Also, it's a good length, 10 minutes, and is unaccompanied. Penderecki, who once planned to be a violin virtuoso, has made a substantial contribution to the instrument's repertoire, I think. So that's what I said in my review. Something I did not say in my review was, I was sitting directly in front of Penderecki, and when the piece was over, we had a little discussion in the aisle. I said essentially what I would go on to say in my review, that I thought he had given violinists something they would find useful, challenging, and enjoyable for a long time to come. He said, essentially, I sure hope so, 
That was my aim. Maybe I should not have done this. As a rule, critics should not speak with musicians, including composers. They should not speak with people they review. No fraternization was the old rule, and it was a good one. I should probably not do my Q&As either. But I am stricter than most about these matters, if I say so myself. And I have to say, I'm glad I had a little encounter with Shishtof Penderecki. Okay, enough reading, and enough butchering of the poor guy's name. La Folia is nine variations on an andante, which begins the piece. To put it another way, the piece begins with an andante, and then we have nine variations on it. The second variation, you might like to know, is marked Allegro Giocoso alla Polacca, a playful allegro, Polish style. Our violinist is not Anne-Sophie Mutter, but Daniele Colombo. We will hear the andante and the first three of the variations. A pretty solid taste.
La Folia by Penderecki, at least a taste of it, played by Daniele Colombo. Feel like a song? A French one? It'll be a secret. I mean, Le Secret by Gabrielle Faure. The poem is by Sylvestre, Armand Sylvestre, who lived from 1837 to 1901. I'll read a translation by Richard Stokes. The Secret. Would that the morn were unaware of the name I told to the night, and that in the dawn breeze, silently, it would vanish like a tear. Would that the day might proclaim it, the love I hid from the morn, and poised above my open heart, like a grain of incense, kindle it. Would that the sunset might forget the secret I told to the day, and would carry it and my love away in the folds of its faded robe. Our singer will be Gabrielle Baquier, that wonderful and versatile French baritone. He was born in 1924 and died just the other day, May 13th. So this is a little tribute to him. The pianist is Jean Laforge. Here they are in foray. Le Secret, The Secret, by Foray, sung by the late 
elegant, smart, beautiful Gabrielle Baquier, accompanied by Jean Laforge. You know the name Buzzoni, perhaps in concert with Bach, Bach Buzzoni. Buzzoni arranged a lot of Bach pieces. He also wrote a lot on his own. He was Ferruccio Buzzoni, 1866 to 1924. Years ago, when I interviewed Ferruccio Furlanetto, the basso, I said, are you the greatest Ferruccio since Buzzoni? He smiled and allowed that it might be so. Buzzoni was an Italian pianist, composer, intellectual, and visionary. He is one of the idols and heroes of Igor Levitt, the aforementioned and aforeheard pianist. One of the Buzzoni pieces that Levitt likes to play is his Berceuse, or Lullaby, of 1909. Buzzoni wrote it in memory of his mother, Anna. Actually, did we hear Levitt? I think I just discussed him. In any case, we're going to hear him in a minute. Well, I think this is extraordinary to write a lullaby in memory of one's mother. Buzzoni later made an orchestral version of his piece, calling it Berceuse Elegiac, an elegiac lullaby. It was premiered in New York by none other than Mahler. So, Igor Levitt played the original, the piano version, in one of his so-called house concerts over Twitter not long ago. We'll now hear a commercial recording of him in this very work, an intense, quiet work. You will want to turn your volume up as far as you can and, if I may, concentrate. This piece requires exceptional concentration, I think, and rewards it. In any event, Berceuse Lullaby for His Mother by Ferruccio Buzzoni, played by Igor Levitt. Bless you, my friends, and see you soon. 